Well, may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 64 for Friday, 14th of September, 2018. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's happened to our country and what's about to happen and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is returning host, Denise Pierco. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you. So it's late at night. We've got many wacky things to cover, but should we start with something positive that we were sort of happened at the time we were recording last week's episode, which was that the Victorian rental reforms passed unamended. That's right. They actually got through the Legislative Council in a rather late vote. That's everything, including the amendments about pets. Yes, um, which there was a bit of worry from the crossbench they might. Yeah, that, that's, that looked like the thing that it was really going to go. The thing about minor modifications, the stuff about bond limits here in Victoria anyway, there's this funny rule that if rent is over 350 a week, they can charge you a discretionary bond rather than just the four weeks. That, but, and so now they've changed that. Yeah. Um, so it's, so it's, look, it's not everything. Of, it's a lot of things. Yes, yeah, so it's a massive improvement. It's still, you know, they can still kick you out for other reasons. They just can't do it for no reason now. Mm. They can still kick you out for, re- for many, all of the remaining reasons and you still have to find, you know, new bond you know, another four weeks rent yeah. uh, and removalists. So, you know, tenants' rights are still not brilliant. And they can still do inspections, which are obscene and, and ridiculous. So, like, there's still stuff that, that I would change, but it's a massive step forward. It is, it is. And I, the, bi- the big thing that I saw when I posted about it on Facebook was friends from other states saying, oh, my God, we hope our state follows suit now. Yeah. Well, congratulations to the Tenants Union Victoria for fighting very hard on that. And I actually might see if we can get Mark O'Brien on a coming up episode, see what they are planning to do next. Because hopefully they're not planning on just going, oh, well, it's all solved now. I don't think it is solved. It's interesting. There was an article today in The Guardian. We have record low vacancy rates and a booming population in uh, Melbourne. And rental experts are saying that it's a crisis. There's the lowest vacancy rate since they started tracking them in 2002. It's only 1.8%. So that means 1.8% of properties are vacant. They say this is worse in the outer suburbs and it's worse in regional areas where it's often 100% uh, 100% no vacancy. Okay, that's really worrying. But the solution, of course, to all those tenants who are not able to afford one of these extremely rare houses is, of course, to work a second job. But there's no rental crisis. So I want to introduce listeners to a new swear word, and it's, it's very flexible. You can use it particularly to demonstrate somebody who is out of touch and a dickhead, somebody who's got theirs and has absolute contempt for everybody around them. So, you know, yeah. that we were, we were all out late at night. Uh, uh, one of our party got sick, and so we called a taxi, and uh, Jim went and jumped straight in and drove off in the taxi by and wouldn't let anybody else in. What a total Malcolm Gunning. Yeah, he is an absolute gunning, let me tell you. Yeah. Malcolm Gunning is the president of the Real Estate Institute of Australia, and this is him on ABC. No, I don't accept there's a rental affordability crisis. Most of the, the stats are focused on Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. If you want to live in the fringe of the city, it's affordable. If you want to live closer in the city, it is expensive. The reason the rents haven't dropped, particularly in Melbourne City, is because of population growth. The president of the Real Estate Institute says the pressure on renters is not going to ease up. He has some tips. Negotiate your rent lower, move outside the major cities, or get extra work and cut back on spending. Maybe even, God forbid, get two jobs. OK, now your viewers will hate that. Okay, but many, many people do it. A lot of our migrants work a couple of jobs. Now's the time to lock your rent in because I'm of the opinion in 18 months' time when demand outstrips supply, uh, you're going to see the rents really climb. It's going, so you, what, what we'll see then is the tenant really starting to squeal. 
If we have a change in government, which is like at this stage, negative gearing will be altered because the Labor Party are rusted on. We're saying you be wary, okay, because the market's already sliding. You don't need to push it off a cliff. So in Malcolm Gunning's view, a working society is one where people have to work two jobs to have a roof over their head at all. What I find interesting is the article I was referring to in The Guardian has the president of the Real Estate Institute of Victoria on it saying that there is a rental crisis, that the rents have gone up from the median rent in metropolitan Melbourne is 450 this year. Last year at the same time it was 425 and that these low vacancy rates are going to increase rising rents and are going to push the poorest out of the rental market ever. So it seems like the Real Estate Institute of Victoria. Well, they're, they're pushing for something different. So Victorian Real Estate Institute basically wants to have restrictions on developers dropped. So their argument is that the reason why rents are high is nothing to do with the fact that the money market is flooded with investors who are demanding their return and the fact that they've priced out all the professional people who previously would have bought a house and are now in the rental market. The Real Estate Institute doesn't, Victoria doesn't want to change any of that. What they want is for developers to have freer reign. And so they're like, the problem is scarcity. Nothing to do with, with the fact that the big developers actually already own huge tracts yeah. of land on Melbourne's fringe they, and are just releasing it a tiny feet. bit of time so that they keep the prices high. 70% sold out. Get in now before you can. Ooh, new block released. That's actually a marketing tactic. It creates that idea of scarcity and demand. Hmm. So the Victorian Real Estate Institute, I mean, they've just lost their campaign. Their threat was if we have any of these new rental protections for tenants, it's going to make rent skyrocket. And they'll do, they do the same thing about negative gearing. If, if this negative of gearing that has flooded the market with investors who so are pushing out prices. So basically, total Malcolm Gunning. Oh, they are total Malcolm Gunnings. The clip that we play with Malcolm Gunning has a bunch of infuriating things. The the idea that oh, it's okay to make people work two jobs. Uh, we, we don't have enough jobs to go around, but okay, some people should be doing two jobs because jobs should be paid so little that to hell with the forty-hour work week. Mm. We should now be going to the eighty-hour work week. We should abandon all the gains that the unions have made over the last century, oh, and yeah. workers should be back to working eighty hours for a you know rat-infested mud pile with a box on top on fire in a swamp. You got a box on fire in a swamp. I didn't even get that. And I love it. I, I mean, the, the out of touch. The swamp has to be like out past Ballarat, though. Oh, my God. Marie Antoinette was such a Malcolm Gunning. Do you remember when her whole let them eat, I don't know, some kind of French bread? You know, the, the staggering out of touchness that that was. He, he thinks that you can just go to a landlord and negotiate lower rent. That was my favorite. You need to negotiate lower rent and lock your rent in now. Well, so those are two things. Lock your rent in now. Now's the time to lock your rent in. How? They won't do that. They, they, won't, they will give you a yearly specifically because they want to be able to jack it up after a year. And yeah, negotiate lower rent. He has some tips. Negotiate your rent lower. How? How? Especially when, like, one of the things that the rental th reforms that went through in Victoria uh, outlawed was rental bidding because that was happening. Because people were saying, oh, my God, you know, you show up to a place and there's 30 other people there. You put your application in and you go, you know what, but we'll pay four fifty five a week. Yeah. Huh? Huh? It's insane, the idea that so, when you've got lines of people trying to get a house that you can negotiate lower yeah. rent. Look, when the vacancy rates are so low, you can negotiate lower rent. Look, I realise that you're advertising for 450, but we'd really like to pay you 425. So how about that? Yeah. Yeah, no, I will take one of these other perfectly acceptable applications. I'd like to see what Malcolm Gunning would say when the real estate agent sends him a letter saying, well, rents in the area have gone up, so we're going to be jacking up your rent by $20 a week. I mean, I'm sure Malcolm Gunning would presumably write back to them and say, how dare you? Uh, I'm not going to pay anymore. What do you mean? You've just given me notice to get out. Yeah. Fine, I'll, I'll go somewhere else. You know, I'll find my extra bond and I'll find my extra four weeks rent and I'll find... I keep saying four weeks rent because that's one of the achievements of the new... Yeah. Act. And these guys, basically, from now on, any politician who is doing anything that the Real Estate Institute of Australia asks for, we should immediately disparage that politician. That politician should be a, a mockery. For, yes. you know, anybody dealing with Malcolm Gunning should be treated with absolute contempt. Well, and just other concepts, like ideas like, that you can just move, that you can just move to a different city because, oh, well, part of the problem with these studies that show rental scarcity is they show the capital cities and then, and, 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 yeah, those are... Oh, yeah, just, it's Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. People should just move to a place where they don't have any supports, they don't have any family, they don't have any jobs. Oh, yeah, they should just move to places where I, they've got no supports. I work with a woman who, And they should live on the fringes of the city too, so they need supports to look after the kids, but they don't have any supports because they've just moved away from them. I work with a woman who lives down in Geelong who commutes into Docklands every day and was saying that the same jobs in Geelong are twenty to $30,000 a year less. 
similar roles to what she does. If you see them advertised, when they come up, they're scarce, but they're they're significantly less because they can they can do that because they sell the idea that oh well you're working close to home. How long is her commute from Geelong? Over an hour each way, just the train ride. Okay, plus whatever at the other end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I love I love the boomer thing of people just want to live on the, in the inner city and right next to work. No, no, we just don't want to be commuting for like three or four hours a day. We ran into a local member of parliament the other day at uh, a, our local shopping centre and Jeremy decided to have a word with him. It's actually, you wouldn't let me have a word with him about this stupid um, race baiting. I would let you have a word with him about the one about thing, one thing that I felt that you were making an impact on. But <laughs> It's a Liberal state member who, was, who I bet voted against. In fact, the Liberals did vote against it. Yeah, this. they did vote against it. Um, but the Liberal state member, we were talking to him about the rental reforms and asking for, the, for, the, for his support. And he was saying, you know, well, it's been... It, It'll get through the lower house, uh, the house without any issue, um, because they have the majority. But it's we we can't stop it. But the Senate, he was saying how concerned he was. He's like, oh well, my kids bought houses. You just have to move further out. And I actually looked at him and said, I live an hour away from work. By the time you know, walk to the station, train, walk to the work at the other way, it's almost an hour door to door. I have a daughter, a baby daughter, who was with us. If I live any further out, I don't see her during the week, Monday to Friday. He was like, oh, yeah, well, you're right. That's a point. He also ducked the question of how exactly his kids had bought when. Mm. When did they buy these houses and did they get any help? Did they stay at home? Were they paying rent when they were saving? I think he admitted that they were living at home and they weren't paying rent. So, like, everybody who's like, oh, yeah, there are some young people who saved up. No, they've saved up by not paying rent. They they, they had parents who had room for them to live in their houses. That's a huge leg up that most people don't have. Anyway. anyway, so there was that. The other thing that we had that followed on from last week was the gender whisperer crap from Mor- oh, um, it's not good news. Scott Morrison. No, So this is Scott Morrison on the project trying to make excuses for his attack on any kind of support for trans kids. The project had a trans kid speak to him and he came out with this bonkers line about parents trumping teachers. All right, you've had a big week, first week in the job. Yesterday, uh, you criticised the practice of teachers identifying transgender children. Last night, we received a video from a young viewer who has been an advocate in this area for a long time. This is what she had to say. My name is Evie McDonald, I'm 13 years old, and I'm a transgender kid. And this is what I want to say to the Prime Minister. There are thousands of kids in Australia that are gender diverse, and we don't deserve to be disrespected like that through tweets from our Prime Minister. I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of attitudes like this. I went to a Christian school where I had to pretend to be a boy and spend weeks in conversion therapy. We get one childhood and mine was stolen from me by attitudes like this. What do you have to say to her? Well, I love all Australians and whatever background they come from. The point I was making was simply this. I want kids to be allowed to be kids and I want parents to be respected as the parents of those children. I don't think teachers get to take the place of parents and the choices that families make. These are choices that families should make together. There is a place for clinical advice. There is a place for clinical counselling. But at the end of the day, in our schools, I don't want to see teachers taking the role of parents. But when you say let kids be kids, isn't this about allowing kids to be themselves, be who they they are? No, I was referring to a practice that has been put in place in schools where others are coming into that conversation and making observations and getting between the role of a parent and that child. And, you know, I believe in family, as we all do. It's a common value across Australia, and I don't think that parents should be supplanted by teachers. That is a fascinating piece of logic. Essentially, that's the same as Scott saying, look, uh, some parents don't believe in chemistry. It's witchcraft and physics. It's just defying God. The, uh, what? The, the earth goes around the sun? That's well, well, sacrilege. Well, some parents don't actually believe in these things. Yes. There are, what, what do you mean? There are, I don't know how many there are now, 130 elements. There are only four. Earth, fire, water, air. Those are the four elements. I'm, I'm, there are only, you know, Lyle Shelton, with his, there's only two genders. There's only four elements. I refuse to send my children to a school where they teach them more elements. Like, it is exactly the same logic that, that a parent can have any bonkers idea. And Morrison thinks that, that parents should always be able to trump basic educational things. And yes, teaching kids empathy and, and to understand LGBTQI people who are in the community around them is part of their education. It's important. Well, because... They're teaching empathy in general, like the idea that you would teach empathy for people in general. One of the more interesting 
I mean, it's bad news for conservative parties because they depend on people not having empathy. Well, it's like they said, teachers and people stopped beating left-handed children and suddenly there was like a 200% increase in left-handed children because they were no longer getting like whipped with rulers on the backs of their hands every time they tried to use their left hand. Imagine that. Yes. It's almost like this isn't creating LGBTI kids any more than we're suddenly creating gay kids. Yes. It's that they were always gay, but they were bullied into the closet. Okay, this is Choose Your Own Adventure podcast. Do we want to go on to... Morrison's creepy religious freedom stuff or do we want to go straight to an example of the right really not respecting the rights of parents over teachers all of a sudden suddenly these parents are terrible which one has time travel which one has the monster that we get to fight and like get the big find the treasure uh no but one of them does involve us being eaten by uh god what's the zork thing a gru i don't know is it a gru you were eaten by a gru yes it was a guru. It was a guru. Oh my goodness, I got it. Yay! Do I win? Okay. So this is so this isn't the type of choose your own adventure that we wanted. No, this is a terrible choose your own adventure. All the options are appalling. Well then, appalling. Let's go with appalling. Ah, I see what you've done there. All right. So there is a nine-year-old girl in a public school in Queensland who is refusing to stand for the national anthem because it claims inaccurately that because we are... Because she's a Jehovah's Witness, right? So she won't stand for the national anthem? No, I really should have done Scott Morrison's religious freedom stuff first because uh, remember this stuff when Scott Morrison is talking about A, parents being more important than teachers and should be able to override them, which he said in the last clip, and him saying in the next clip that religious freedom should override everything else. So yes, Jehovah's Witnesses already don't stand for the national anthem and Jehovah's Witnesses kids already sit for it. But apparently under the new regime, that it'll still be all right under what Scott wants for protections for religious freedom. If you if you don't stand for the anthem and you are religious, okay. If you don't stand for the anthem, but it's for any other good reason. Oh, it's for like a moral objection. So this last objects to uh, the line uh, well sorry first of all the advanced Australia affair was always the advancement of white Australia that was quite explicit in the original lyrics but um, also the claim that we are young uh, as a country is really dismissive of the you know 50,000 uh, I think that's actually a downplaying it now I think it's about 80 or more um, thousand years of indigenous history before white people came here and mm-hmm. murdered them all not all of them sorry some of them we're still just depressing but we murdered a lot of them so she won't stand for that. I also find the uh, fact that the people who are attacking her uh, are demanding that she sing the line about us being free when they are demanding that she be punished for daring to have a different political opinion to them, which doesn't sound particularly free to me. Do you want to hear what some total fuckwits uh, have been saying about this nine-year-old girl today? Do I? <laughs> well, let's start with two massive fuckwits, Alan Jones and Mark Latham. Oh my goodness, it's like Christmas. A very sad Christmas where we get coal. Yeah, I think that uh, our daughter and I will go off and celebrate Christmas somewhere else this year. (laughs) Anyway, here they are again. Patreon subscribers, thank you for providing funds to assist my mental health having to listen to Alan Jones podcasts in order to grab this audio. Someone's got to, in a position of leadership, defend the virtues of Western civilization. We've got this girl standing up at a primary school, nine years of age in Queensland today, defying the school. She won't stand for the national anthem because she doesn't believe we're free. And the school is saying, oh, well, if she wants to go outside the room while the anthem's being played and so on. I mean, what on earth do you do in circumstances like this other than call the parents in and say, listen, these are the rules here. If you don't like the rules, go somewhere else. But we're not changing the rules to accommodate you. Yes, well, you've got to enforce the rules in schools. We used to have uh, special schools for children with behavioural problems. Well, I'm afraid not standing for the national anthem and not following the school rules is a behavioural problem. Yeah. So kick her out. Nine. Kick her out. Nine. Nine. She, says, she says when it yeah. says when it says we're young, it completely ignores the fact that Indigenous culture was here for over 50,000 years before colonisation. Yes, and colonisation brought the kind of tremendous wealth that all Australians now enjoy. All right, Mark, look. The school only exists because of colonisation. That's what it. What sort of fools are these? What sort of fools are these? <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Wow. We're all, we're all much better off. We're all financially doing very well out of colonisation, are we? Absolutely. All of us. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure that colonisation was more about ripping the guts out of a country and sending it off to profit the people who are the colonisers. They, they, they weren't doing it out of some sense of benevolence for the people there. And I'm fairly sure that the statistics demonstrate pretty comprehensively that Indigenous people are doing badly and that the wealth of this country is not being uh, divided in any way equitably. 
What are you talking about? In fact, there is no poverty here. This is coming right after they had a whinge about universities not doing enough to defend Western civilization and that they should have their funding pulled. That, I'm not, I didn't grab all that. I don't expect people to listen to any more of this nonsense. But really? The idea... You expect me to listen to it. So the only way that, that there could be a school now for this last to be educated is for there to have been the massacre and dispossession of indigenous people well, and if, and frankly if we if we recognize the indigenous people being here on the continent for tens of thousands of years before white australians arrived then you know schools will cease to exist well, exactly and not only that we have special behavioral schools for kids we used to have behavioral schools yes basically like we need youth to detention they basically used to have at least he's not advocating beating her to, into submission. Well, they probably did in those schools, to be honest. Here, here's Pauline Hanson. Well, this morning I put up a post about a nine-year-old who won't stand for the national anthem. Well, the school is saying, OK, well, you don't have to be there. You can leave the hall. But no, she's determined to actually stay there because she wants to make a point. And because her parents are right behind her. She's proud of her, good on her for standing her ground on this thing. But the whole fact is, there are rules in this country. I remember going to school and we actually had the national anthem raise the flag and it was, it's about who we are as a nation. It's part of us, who we are. And she says, well, it's not including Aboriginals. They were here 50,000 years ago. It's not, um, we're not young and free. What about the Aboriginals? It, it's not about that. You know, I've been fighting for 22 years for equality for everyone, to be inclusive. Here we have a division that's happening here we have a kid is being brainwashed, and I tell you what, I'd give her a kick up the backside. I've got problems with standing your ground, and, and you know I do, but we're talking about a child who has no idea of what is history, what is happening, what we should do, and what we need to do to, to pull everyone together, regardless of your cultural background. We are all Australians. This is divisive. And I don't know what the other kids around her are thinking, but where is it coming from? I'm hearing from too many people that feel our kids are being brainwashed in our educational system, this transgender sex stuff, this safe schools problem of this divisiveness now that there's the average jewels, it's them and us. What the hell is going on? I'm angry about this. I'm proud of the flag. I'm proud of the fact of, you know, the national anthem, as everyone should be. And so was Cathy Freeman. We were all proud of her. You know, her cultural background, the Aboriginality, and the whole fact she carried the two flags. She stood at the podium with the national anthem being played. Have they told this kid that? Has she spoken to these people? What about Warren Mundine? I've got a lot of time for Warren Mundine. There's great, you know, people of, of different cultural backgrounds, Aboriginality. They want to see inclusiveness, but this kid is headed down the wrong path, and I blame her parents for it, for encouraging this. No, take her out of the school. That is the least logical thing I have ever heard. All right, so first of all, that is a national senator declaring that she wants to assault a child. So yes. that's a great child. Pauline Hanson is criticising somebody for being divisive. Well, that's... she has been fighting for equality for 22 years. How? All she's ever done is fight for white people's privilege. Well, that, that's equality. No, it isn't in any possible way. Isn't, isn't that... But... But, but her and Mark Latham would agree on this one, that this is about merit and equality, right? And uh, white people? So first of all, she, points, she has a whinge that there are rules in this country before realising that she can't actually back that up because there's no rule about getting people to vacate a seat for the national anthem. Uh, well, when she was a child, they raised the flag and, and they were proud of it. So the girl at Harper is saying this anthem ignores Aboriginal history. And Pauline Hanson's attack on that is, well, it's not about that. Thereby... Proving the point. Exactly. The anthem, that's right. The anthem ignores that fundamental. It's, it is a shitty anthem that pretends that Aboriginal people are not there. And yeah, that's staggeringly racist. Maybe Pauline Hanson would support us having a compromise where she'll, she can be in there for the, the anthem and she can sit down during the obnoxious bits, but the school will sing both verses of the national anthem, including the bit about for those who come across the seas with boundless plans to share, and she can stand for that bit. Would that be a com that's a compromise? I mean, compromise. I mean, it's, it's still a bit rough getting anybody to stand for that bit when it's you know clearly ironic at this point. Mm, yeah, no, it's a bit of a lie. So the Queensland Department of Education has actually said that the school has never suggested that the that Harper would be either expelled or suspended, and that they're trying to be respectful of her wishes and they're trying to provide her alternatives such as not not, not singing along. Yeah, but that's a 
No, well, be getting out of the room, but that's yeah. that's bullshit as well. Like she should be able to sit there and make the point. Like that yeah. is a time. Ty- um, but and- I think the idea is this idea it was that the oldest girl's being threatened with with suspension and and. Well, they were trying to say she should. should be kicked yeah, out. Absolutely, they're, they're saying that she's not being threatened enough. But Hanson's line here of that there's there's brainwashing in schools. In this case, the school is the one telling her she has to stand mm. for it. It's the parents and the child standing up against the school. So if the school, this is, if the school were brainwashing kids to be to be, to be, take this view that Pauline Hanson disagrees with, then they wouldn't be the one pushing the view that she does. <laughs> Pauline Hanson, you're on the side of the school on this one. You don't even know what side you're on. You're very, very confused. Well, and considering that she immediately goes from saying how she defends equality and, and then immediately references children being brainwashed by transgender sex stuff, doesn't sound so much like you're defending equality to me, Pauline. I also, like she, she can, you know, she, she name checks Kathy Freeman and Warren Mundine because I don't think she can think of any other indigenous people. But so if Kathy Freeman, who was an athlete uh, running for Australia, if she was uh, willing to wrap herself in the flag... Therefore, racism is solved. Therefore, it should be good enough for this girl. What? One Aboriginal person doing something does not mean that all of these problems are sorted and that the rest of us should just give it a pass. Mm -hmm. But I also love that the writer are on completely different sides on this one because seconds ago, they're like, as Morrison was saying, parents should be able to stop their children learning things at school that they don't want. Their parents should override teachers, as Morrison was saying in the clip from the project. I don't think teachers get to take the place of parents and the choices that families make. But at the end of the day, in our schools, I don't want to see teachers taking the role of parents. But then all of a sudden, in this case, because the parents are supporting the child in a position that they politically don't agree with, all of a sudden, now the school should be overriding the parents. Absolutely. Those are completely inconsistent. No, they're not. You might say, hang on, Jeremy, you're just playing I called hypocrite first. And so... You're saying... They want the cake and to eat it too. So I'm saying that they're hypocrites for saying that parents should override schools in the case of social empathy type thing, like safe schools and so forth. They, they say they, parents should override schools in those things, but in the case of patriotism and nationalism and enforcing it on children, the schools should override the parents. And I think that's reasonably inconsistent and hypocritical. No, 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 because what they're saying is that Parents should override the schools when they align with what they believe. Yeah, exactly. So in the case of... But when they don't align with what they believe, then then the schools should override the parents. Yes. So, so, so it's, it's not hypocritical at all, Jeremy. So why does that not apply in reverse to me? So why, when I'm saying, well, actually, I think that the schools should override parents who don't want their kids to be learning oh, about LGBTI wrong. people... It would seem like I'm being hypocritical here too because I'm saying the reverse. I'm saying the opposite of their hypocrisy. I'm saying that parents shouldn't be able to override schools with um, uh, safe schools or chemistry or physics or whatever. Like there is a reason we have Mm. an education system and it shouldn't be subject to any random crank parent who has a ridiculous idea refusing to saying their children shouldn't learn basic facts. Why is it then that I don't think that the school should be able to override the parents in terms of this nationalism thing? And it is entirely because... I don't see that forcing children to sing the national anthem, particularly one that's claiming that we're free and we're forcing patriotism. I don't, mm. so, so, don't, it's not a free country if you're forcing patriotism on people. Why is that different? Well, because I don't think that forcing kids to sing the national anthem is part of their freaking education. I don't think that's teaching them anything useful. All it's doing is trying to enforce conformity. It's trying to do the opposite of teaching them to be thinking, well-adjusted, well-educated people. So, yeah, I think that in the case when schools are going off, to the, off the deep end and trying to enforce patriotism on kids, yeah, at that point, the school's gone off the deep end. But on all the rest of the stuff, basic education, including social education about being supportive and understanding of LGBTI kids and about supporting those kids who are LGBTI who are receiving these lessons to know that there's nothing wrong with them. Likewise with religion. I don't think parents should be able to have schools that indoctrinate kids with one religion because I don't think that's a decent education. I don't think they're getting a broad education that way. They should definitely learn about religion, but they should learn about all of them. Yeah, I went to a Catholic school and we had a world religion class and it was basically, this is this religion and this is why it's wrong. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So you'd, we'd learned about Buddhism and why it was wrong. We learned about Islam and why it was wrong. Well, we week. learned about Judaism and how it was really lovely and led into Catholicism, but now they're wrong. Yeah, didn't you have like some Protestants at the school and they're like, "That's not Christianity." Yeah, no, no, not at the Catholic school. That was when I went. I left Catholic school and went to public school for my last couple of years. 
I, when I turned 16, I signed myself out of Catholic school and signed myself into the public school board, much to my mother's chagrin. I'm not sure I said this on the podcast, or I was just ranting on Twitter about it, but I, I do think that uh, the fact that religious people feel that they need to indoctrinate children very young and not have them exposed to alternative ideas. They children need to be in a in a school from from a Christian school all the way through. They need to be being having this worldview about Christianity shoved down their throats. And and same with mm. Islamic schools and Jewish schools. They need to have it shoved down their throats the whole way through. They need to have the parents' religion shoved on them, because the people who hold this religion apparently don't have any faith that if they taught them all the religions, they'd come to theirs in the marketplace of religious ideas. I'm happy to teach you all of them because I'm confident that you will come to that one because it's demonstrably the best one. They don't have any faith in that because deep down they know that their religion is no more plausible than any of the others. And if they did genuinely think their religion was so much better and so much clearer and so much more obviously true, then they should be happy to teach all of the religions and, and trust that kids would come to theirs. Did you know Martin Luther was not actually a man with horns and like a, a devilly tail and stuff? Again, I went to Catholic school. Oh. <laughs> no, you're right, though. It, it's also interesting that when people go out to find religion and, and find that sort of thing, they usually end up gravitating toward what they were raised with or what, what's the dominant religion in their culture. They might not pick the exact religion of their parents. So, you know, they could have grown up Anglican and moved to like a Pentecostal church or something like a that. Variation. But they, yeah. they, they stay within the, the same paradigm that they were most exposed to. Because I think that what happens is either parents or schools like we get, there's there's a version of religion that is presented to kids as the strongest one. It's the most, mm-hmm. the one that you they hear the most about, and then if they feel spiritual at all, the choice they're given is no religion or the one they've heard most about. But the mm-hmm. one they've heard most about probably must be the true one because otherwise, why have they not heard about the other ones? Like, yeah. I think people just naturally are like, well, it's the same way that people go from, you know, I'm, it just feels like something must must have created the universe. It's, nothing can come from nothing. Nothing ever could. And somewhere in my youth or childhood, I'm. Sorry, I just suddenly became Marie Von Trapp. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was just waiting for you to break into, like, song. You must have done something good. Yes, yes. Uh, but it won't save me. I'm, I'm still going to hell, according to Scott Morrison's mob. But that's the same wishful, muddy thinking where people go, and I cut all the stuff where I was ranting about religion last week out of the podcast, but I very rarely hear from religious people <laughs> who are explaining to me why I should believe in religion, how they get from you know, there's something. There must be something out there. Surely you feel that there's some kind of intelligence out there. There's, you know, something created the universe. To every word in this particular religious book is true. Like that is a massive long jump. It, it is. is. Pos- there could be some kind of giant entity out there that created the universe and then for some perverse reason uh, doesn't reveal themselves and and makes us guess. But that doesn't mean that they are in any way as described in any of these religious books. No. And, anyway, and also, it's been an interesting segue. Anyway, under Scott Morrison's new re- regime, I imagine that somebody listening to this podcast could probably get come back at me for that for that kind of outrageous slur on their their beliefs. Most likely, and actually, I'm fairly sure that even though this is being recorded and is not on the internet, that Scott Morrison's religion police are on their way to their are on their way to our house right now. Well, thank God they finally found something. I say because uh, in the interview that he had with Seven Thirty the other night. He was telling Lee Sales that he that we desperately need these new religious protections. Absolutely, we need them. But could not identify any examples of the type of things that are happening not, that need to be fixed. That's not the point. Let's look at the future. What about the future? These things could happen. Except he's also specifically this week saying Australians don't give a shit about climate change in the future. They're just worried about their electricity prices now. So, you know, the stuff that's actually going to kill us all, we can't plan ahead for that. And the... Um, which body? There's an international body, one of the ones that's connected with, with action on climate change. It's like, shit, what we're doing right now is not enough. We need to do a lot more. And it's just reassuring knowing that Australia will be out there doing everything in our power as a country to spoil that. Because keep in mind that we don't just go, I'm sorry, we can't do our part until the bigger countries in the world do it, even though we pollute a shitload more per capita. I'm sorry, even if we gave up all of our emissions, you know, we can't I just do- need to go and masturbate this piece of coal in the... Uh... <laughs> but Australia's position what? has been... The right-wing position is... Australia's a small country, so therefore we don't make much of a difference. But we do make a difference. We go out there and we fight very hard in all of these international fora to destroy any actual action on climate yes. change. Like, we do, we, we punch above our weight in terms of destroying any action on climate change. Why aren't we talking about religious freedoms? We are. Here's Scott Morrison explaining to us why, even though he can't think of any examples of religious freedoms being oppressed, we still need to change the law. Mm. 
You've said you intend to look at protections for religious freedoms. Can you give me an example at the moment um, where people's religious freedoms are being impinged in Australia? That's actually not the point, Lee. What the point is, is that Australians want to be sure that in the future that those things won't be But policy usually upon. addresses where a problem exists, so I'm asking where the problem exists. Well, I believe exists. there could be problems in the future. I articulated those things when I spoke in the House last year. We've had a process which has been pursued uh, by Philip Ruddock leading that expert panel. That uh, panel has reported back to the government. I am now in receipt of that report, and what I can guarantee all Australians is that their religious freedoms will be protected by law if necessary. And what sort of things do you think need to be introduced to ensure well, those protections? I, I want parents to continue to have a complete right of choice uh, when they send their kids to a, a faith-based school that the faith-based nature of those schools is protected. I want to make sure that if people have particular religious views that they won't be discriminated against just like people of different genders or people of races will not be discriminated against. Religious freedom it doesn't get more serious than that when it comes to liberties. If you don't have the freedom to believe in your own faith then what is liberty? That sounds a lot to me like religious privilege. In fact, specifically Christian privilege, because I'm willing yeah. to be, I mean, I'd love to see what legislation he's going to draft. Fairly sure that what he means is him and, and his kind. He doesn't, he doesn't mean other people. I love the idea that, that what could be a more important right than religious freedom? I know the right not to be sacked for being gay would be well, pretty much important. One of the things that I find interesting is that he mentions, you know, you shouldn't be discriminated against religious freedom, just like you shouldn't be discriminated against for gender or race. Now... What I find interesting is he doesn't mention anything about sexuality because that's the exactly thing he wants to discriminate against. Well, and they already he can. Wants, like, but like... He wants that to continue. He wants, if you have an LGBTQIA person working for you at your organization, he wants you to be able to fire them. He wants you to be able to just like walk them out the door and never see them again and not give them any... Or... I, I, that's so... pretty good. So you must have spread it. So at the moment, a religious organization, so that includes not just churches, but Schools, anything... et cetera. Schools, um, uh, charity social, organizations like Centre Care. Um, oh, but also, what's the hospital uh, in the city? St Vincent's. St like, Vincent. Yeah. Hospital, like they want the power for St Vincent's Hospital to sack the receptionist, receptionist for being a the lesbian. janitor. They want schools to have the right to sack the gardener for being a lesbian. Yep. As they do right now, most states have exemptions in the anti-discrimination laws that let organizations that can associate themselves with religions do that. I think they want to extend it further so that just anybody who says, oh, look, I've just got a religious belief that gay mm. people, you know, they're contrary to my religion, so, so I wants, them. He wants to make sure that, and oh, well, same-sex marriage has passed and it's a reality now, but I think more people believe in this religious freedom than believe in same-sex marriage and the polls are all wrong. Like, what he's saying to Lee Sales is absolute madness. But what he wants is the freedom to discriminate against LGBTQIA people. He very specifically uses the example of gender and race and very specifically doesn't use those other ones because that's the thing he wants to discriminate well, and specifically, he's raising it in the context of the marriage equality legislation. Absolutely. So, like, it is very much the case. We're not talking about religious freedom generally. We're talking nope. specifically about a counter to LGBTI people having some equality before the yes. law. So and we he, are, wa he, he wants, wants to, to diminish that. that. He wants to diminish that immediately. He wants to keep oppressing people. It'll be interesting to see how they draft it because if they're not going to draft it specifically to protect Christians, if they're going to draft it in a way that refers to religions generally, then somebody should point out to the racists that that's pretty much protection for a Sharia law. Yeah. Scott Morrison, defending Sharia law. That'll make you angry. Where's Pauline Hanson? <coughs> it is a recipe for more oppression and more mm. discrimination, and it's not about freedom. It's about privilege. It goes so deep. What I mean is it goes deep because they won't even release the report. Yes. They won't like, release the it's, report. It's they a shonky report. That, that Philip Ruddock, the guy who banned oh, marriage equality, and the, who, the guy who changed the Marriage Act in 2004 to make us all have to say that marriage is a, a union of one man and one woman. That guy, he's run this review. He's released it to when Turnbull was Prime Minister. Morrison's saying he's got it. We can't see it. No. Nope. The people making submissions, they were told they could do it secretly, so there's no record. It's a bloody setup. It's a rigged, rigged process. Oh, it's, it, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It doesn't matter what that report says, though I am sure with the man behind it, behind it, that it leans towards the, what Scott Morrison wants. Oh, hell yeah. Um, but at the same point, it the doesn't, who it doesn't matter the... what it says because we're never going to see it. It's not going to be released to us. They are going to just, if they do release it, they're going to just release excerpts of it. They might release something eventually, but after they've decided what legislation, they, I think they'll present it to us with the legislation because oh. I don't think they want us to look at it and go, well, this is nonsense. You can't do anything with that. Mm. And then then them prevent their legislation. I think they want to have it all presented as a sort of a, a package. Mm. So I think that's why we haven't seen it yet because they want to put together this hideous 
legislation. So, look, I am annoyed with the polling that's being released demonstrating that Scott Morrison is even less popular. The government's still going backwards. Like, they are still losing news polls. Morrison can't explain why the uh, leadership was switched. He's just like, oh, well, you know, the the Liberal Party makes its choice. In fact, in, in Parliament today, he was yelling out that the Labor Party should just get over it Get over it, you know. It's two weeks later. When you guys changed leader, we certainly forgot about it after two weeks and didn't keep oh, yeah. throwing back Rudd Gillard Rudd at you. Oh, well, that's different. Get over it. <laughs> not even that. The Australian <laughs> public should get over it. Like, everyone. Australia just move just on. get over it. We don't want to talk about it, so everybody shut up. Yeah. <laughs> it's bonkers. So I resent the polls coming out demonstrating that they are still doing appallingly because what that means is that they'll drag it out for as long as possible. Uh. They need to think that they're going to get over the line and that this is their best chance and they should do it now. And then... Then after they've called the election, then it fall apart. Mm. <laughs> these, these people are vandals. They are going to do as much as they can to make the country worse before they Can't we get off. a couple more people referred to the high court for something so we can dissolve Well, Dustin's having a real problem with Quad Vlieg at the moment. Now, yes. Quad Vlieg, I don't have any good memories of Quad Vlieg and all the nasty stuff he did from that yeah, in ADF. But, it, but at the moment... It's interesting. I've had a few people on Twitter saying, like, I'm doubting who I am as a person because I've actually read a few things that he said and agreed with them. It's like he's turned around, but I don't think he's ever expressed remorse for... Yeah, the stuff he's done. I'd like to see Quad Vlieg say, look, I regret what I did, and uh, but I'm, I'm now... But that's, that was the other weird thing. Dutton then came out and was like, here's Quad Vlieg. He groomed a woman 30 years his junior. Oh, my God. It was so messed up. Basically, Dutton is that schoolyard bully who, when he gets caught out, he just throws dirt. That's right. It's like where he's trying to say, well, I've got all these files on Labour and the Greens. So what you're saying is you have stuff that we should know about. You say this is stuff is damning on these people in power and in public life. And, and you're keeping it as blackmail you, material? That's right. You sit on it and don't let us know what it is so that you can use it if they ever come back at you. And you think this makes us think better about you? Yeah, no. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having a member of parliament approach Dutton to say, hey, you know, there's some a few members of my electorate, they've been having immigration issues, and I, I said, we'd just bring it up. Could you look in, like, their case has been stalled? or, or Which things. is totally you know, different from if you're the minister taking a call from a mate and just rushing something through in two hours. Oh, exactly. But then also going to that mate and getting that mate to give another mate a job? Yes. And also, in the case of the Greens, it's not hypocrisy at all because the Greens have got a general position of being supportive about yes. uh, about refugees. So for Labour and Liberals, yes, giving a damn about some immigrants and then locking others on remote gulags, that's a bit hypocritical. In the case of the Greens, they are consistently progressive in relation to all those immigration yeah. issues. So it's like, but yeah, Dutton, a man who just like holds files. And the fact, <gasps> the fact that that is his MO and he's the guy who is in charge of the AFP and controls all of our information and under their data retention laws, he can find out everything you've done. The guy who wants to use information against you Mm. to protect himself is the guy who's got all of our information. That's not a good thing. Anyway, that's an upbeat note where we can leave it. Now, I gather that although I haven't actually done a very good Australia versus Humanity for a couple of weeks, and I probably should do that next week, I gather you've got an Australia versus Humanity point you wanted to make. I do. Um, So... The, the cashless welfare card, basically, there there was a damning audit office report. Uh, the existing trials that have been done in the East Kimberley and Seduna were so were inadequate. Uh, they couldn't decide if they if the card caused social harm or actually reduced social harm or actually caused social harm. Um, so they decided to roll it out in a couple of places in Queensland. Yes. And it got through. So uh, there's going to be two sites, uh, Bundaberg in, and Hervey Bay. It's going to be uh, rolled out. So more, more demonizing the poor, more subjecting them to horrible conditions, more... Yeah, but this is not a surprise. This is the same government that's like continuing with RoboDebt. They don't care that something is harmful and cruel if it is hitting the poor or refugees. As far as they're concerned, that's the aim. Would a Daily Telegraph reader be happy and get a, a sick glow from knowing that we've just kicked a poor person in the face? Yes, then let's do that. Oh, it's horrible. Talking of terrible newspapers, there is one thing that we'd left out, and this isn't really Australia versus humanity. This is just Australia cementing its reputation as one of the most racist countries in the world. Um, which, by the way, you know, like it's, it's not like you know the Europeans or the Americans really have a great deal of uh, moral clout on this subject either. But Mark Knight's racist cartoon about Serena Williams, which apparently uh, is beyond... It, it's, like this, it's like a Rorschach test for idiots who don't mm. understand, who are just like... He's just showing her throwing a tantrum. What's racist about that? It's the Jim Crow type 
racist caricatures that he's yeah. using. And he's like, but as I don't. Well I wasn't the, aware as well of them. As the whitewashing of the other of the other contestants. So taking the Haitian Japanese contestant that Serena was, you know, uh, playing Osaka. against, yeah. and making her a white woman with blonde hair. You know, he wants to highlight the the, the race of the person he's bashing. Mark Knight, of course, who we previously covered, he's like the Herald Sun cartoonist, absolutely witless. I defy you, and nobody after the last podcast where we mentioned him was able to find a single funny Mark Knight cartoon. They're all terrible. Yes, they are. He, and in fact, some people have gone through and pulled out some old racist cartoons of his, like a, a, a gamut. A, a very... So there's the one with the Jacinda Allen one with the, the African youths mm. in the background. There's African youths beating up a police officer from another one. There's oh, and an ice user as well. Yeah, but he, he's such a shit drawer. He has to write in text. What yeah, the it's like are. it's like a white guy. It's strangely an overweight white guy with ice user written but on he's his... Got, and the police cadet, but who's got to have police cadet <coughs> written on her just to demonstrate... Who, like, he's such a bad cartoonist. He has to write in what people are supposed to be. And then the incident when uh, Gillard was chased out when she was Prime Minister of that uh, lunch, I think Abbott as well, by mm. um, indigenous protesters. And he, he drew one at the time showing them as basically savages and being like, and Gillard saying oh, if they'd put up this resistance in 1788, we wouldn't even have an Australia Day. Oh, God. Um, or we wouldn't have advanced Australia Fair. Huh. I mean, that, and that one, of course, is playing into the, the vicious slur on uh, Indigenous people that they didn't fight back. Yeah, and they, it is. They it were is just weak and we don't even need to respect them. It's like, oh God. you know, the New Zealanders treat the Maoris badly, but but we were like, we, we have even less respect for Indigenous people because they didn't fight us. What the frick were they meant to do against guns? And they did fight and we murdered them. Yes. The, the, yeah. the frontier wars. If you're saying they didn't fight, that's because you haven't paid any attention to our, our history. Well, or you weren't taught our history. So Mark Knight is saying, oh, but it's I, I didn't know about that racist history. You're a professional cartoonist. Yeah. And, and you know what? You're a professional, you're... not only that, you're a professional political cartoonist. Your job is to take political situations, and that includes sports and things like sports, but is to take situations that are political and to caricaturize them, but in ways that don't objectify and build on hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression. If you genuinely didn't know, about the history and that why he's whatever was floating around in his head was actually reminiscent of the Jim Crow type depictions mm. of, of African Americans. If he genuinely didn't know that, then the point at which it was pointed out to him is the point at which he should have gone, Oh, oh my shit. god, shit, okay, uh, I'm really regretful about that. I will learn from this. But instead, he doubled down as like, These people are mad. Not and only did he double down, the Herald Sun tripled down, quadrupled down, quintupled down. So the front page of the Herald Sun today is promising something that is very actually reassuring to me. It says, welcome to PC World, which I believe is an announcement that they are going to become a computer magazine from the 1990s. I look forward to their reviews of 200 meg hard drives, the latest 56K modems. I want to see to hear their deconstruction of the Microsoft paperclip at Encarta. Oh, yeah, which is the... Should you get Encarta or should you get the CD-ROM version of the Encyclopedia Britannica? I know. Like, it's really hard to pick. Uh, also, um, how to set up Trumpet Windsock to, so that you can get your Netscape Navigator. Nice, and how to your make... TCP IP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the best ways to use frames oh, in, yeah, in yeah. web pages. Wow. Yeah. How to make your own your first homepage. Is... Okay, I'm hoping that Welcome to PC World means that that's literally what this may, they're going to turn it into. But I'm... The great thing about this cover is at the very top it says Free Royal Show Guide and that this paper came with a guide to the Melbourne show. Why is that the best thing? Because that's the only good thing on, on the front page. Oh, well, they've also got an accurate... They've got a sort of a, a, the red circle with a line through it saying satire-free zone. Well, it is a satire-free yeah, zone. Yeah, that, is, that, is, that actually should be probably on the front page of every edition of the Herald the thing Sun. Is, and they've reproduced the racist cartoon. Yeah, Just to double down, because they... Because it worked for Bill Leake with when he had the racist one oh. d- d- suggesting that Indigenous people were so subhuman they didn't know their own children's names. And the Australian just kept reprinting it. Fuck you, they said to Indigenous people. Uh, Fuck you all. We'll just keep reprinting it. Our free speech. This, most Our free speech. Also, nine-year-olds are better stand for the national anthem. Free speech for us. The thing that gets me about this cover with, is except for one other cartoon about Kim, Kim Jong-un, which is also very racist, it's all white people on the cover. And majority white men. There's one Pauline Hansen as a cane toad. And I don't think any of it's particularly good cartooning. Oh, um, he's a terrible drawer. But at the same point, they're saying that, that we're witless. not allowed to depict people like this. And it's like, well, actually, you're taking a woman of color and you're comparing it to all of these? Like, this is... Yeah. Th- Drawing Tony Abbott with big ears is not yeah, reminiscent you know, of, of centuries of oppression. Exactly. 
in drawing Scott Morrison as a Muppet, while offensive to Muppets, also does not draw on centuries of oppression. I think one of the decent cartoonists did the him as Fozzie Bear recently. And, and uh, there's been well. a few of those today coming out in the past couple of days. Yes, yeah, Fozzie um, Bear. Don't insult Fozzie that way. The threat at the bottom is, if the self-appointed censors of Mark Knight get their way on his Serena Williams cartoon, our new politically correct life will be very dull indeed. Not really. You might just hire a cartoonist who can A, draw, and B, is funny. Kathy Wilcox? Well, she's already employed, but yes. Um, um, but, you know, someone like her? Yeah, or even, like, there, there is a decent cartoonist working for News Corp, John Kadoka. He's, yeah. a, he's a great cartoonist. They just have to have some wit. Mark Knight doesn't have any wit. Nothing he draws is funny. All he does is hack-handedly, clumsily as hell, um, tries to just repeat the editorial yeah. lines of his and awful I've, paper. I've seen a few people defending it in the, well, she did behave badly, and it's like, oh, God. That isn't what we're objecting to. No. It's not the tantrum, although, again, that's not a very fair description of what actually happened. No, but the, that, but the racism accusation about Yeah, but the racism bit is not about that. It's about the specific racial yes. caricatures, that the elements in yep. his drawing of her, and which are not about exaggerating her features. They're about fitting her features into a dehumanised right. African stereotype. Yeah. yeah. And then also whitewashing the remainder of the, the people in the, uh, in the cartoon in order to accentuate the fact that she is the black woman. Yeah. Oh, just white people defiantly doubling down to say, nope, we refuse to accept that there's anything we did wrong and, like, and we will keep doing it and... Like, you know, we're just going to pander to the racist idiot Absolutely. demographic. Uh, we didn't end on any kind of a happy note. Oh, but uh, we, we got those written before, so that's something. Yes. Yay, run to reform. No else in the country. Yeah, sorry, rest of the country. Maybe you're next. Anyway, Denise, thank you for joining me again for the episode. You're welcome. Thank you, everybody, for joining in. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Thank you, everybody. Seriously, every contribution makes a huge difference to us and helps keep the podcast running. Thank you to Alex on for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Thank you, me, for editing. Thank you, me. Hi, me. You You've almost broken yourself of saying, oops, sorry, Daniel, when you make a mistake. Not just in podcasts, but in life generally. Yeah. Like, oh, hang on, Daniel, I'll go again. Oh, shit. Daniel's not actually editing my life. God damn it. Anyway, we'll see you all next week. Talk to you later. 